0: This morning I'm going to be reading from Proverbs chapter three verses 13 through 20, and chapter nine verses 13 through 18. Um, for those who want to follow along in the Pew Bibles, that'll be pages 988 and 996. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire. Can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Chapter 9, verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. "'Let all who are simple come in here,' she says to those who lack judgment." Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave.
1: If you're between three years and second grade, it's time for Children's Church. Okay, this time they're all heading that way, straight ahead. Just follow Ms. Chalene that way. In the meantime, I'll be reading Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Good
2: morning, church family. It's good to see each and every one of you here today. So many happy faces. I want to start by a couple of uh, quick announcements, parents. uh, When you go to pick your kids up from Children's Church today, they will be in the East Wing, not in the uh, Children's Chapel. So uh, make sure you pick your kids up from the right spot. We didn't steal them, I promise. Uh, Okay, and about the backpacks, a couple of things uh, before I get started today. Uh, We have about 75 backpacks left, so if you were uh, not here last week or are not able to pick up a backpack, we would love for you to come and pick one up, and uh, just make sure that you sign your name and which number backpack you take on the clipboard uh, that that backpack is with. I'll be up here at the end of service trying to help out, Uh, so if you didn't get a backpack, please feel free to come and do that. We're also, uh, we'd be willing, more than willing, to do the shopping for you. And so if you uh, are unable to go shopping for whatever reason, you're busy this week, you're about to leave town, uh, we'd be happy to go shopping for you. You can just uh, write a check and make that out to Skillman Church of Christ, and we'd be happy to do that for you. Well, over the past couple of weeks, we have been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew, focusing on the parables, and we've been hitting uh, nearly every parable that Matthew tells in his Gospel, and I'm interested to know, uh, and and I'm I'm asking, uh, I'm interested to know what is it that you feel like these parables are trying to teach us? What do you feel like you've learned as we've read through these parables and and, and concentrated on them, preached on them? Uh, Anybody have any idea uh, of what these parables seem to be about, or one of the parables how to be wise. Yes, absolutely. Today's especially, uh, we're going to see that come up because uh, we have five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids, and so we'll talk about that here in just a minute. So yeah, how to live a wise life and following God. What else? Say it again. Be pre- yes, be prepared. I'm sorry. I'm uh, already losing my hearing. Uh, but yes, be prepared. Absolutely. Uh, be prepared. Yeah, we have always got to be ready uh, for whatever God is doing amongst us. Bill, did you raise your hand? Yes, how God sincerely wants all of us to be saved. Uh, and, and in fact, kind of the flip side of that, uh, these parables give us a, a, a way to live sincerely in following God, right? And so God wants us And uh, if we are the the correct character in the parable, then we want to follow God too. Good. Want maybe one more? Anybody else? Accept the invitation. invitation. I love it. Yeah, accept the invitation. Uh, Last week we talked about the king, and the king has sent out uh, these invitations to the wedding feast. And so he wants us to accept the invitation. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, these parables are wide-ranging, and they use a lot of different imagery, a lot of different stories, and all of them lead us into a closer understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to, to follow God, to help bring about the kingdom of heaven on earth, which Matthew is very intent on telling us about the kingdom of He wants us to understand what it means to follow him. So today we are introducing a new parable. And in fact, this is the second to last parable that we're going to talk about in Matthew's gospel. And so this week uh, and then next week will be the last parable. And this parable introduces the idea of wisdom and folly, just like Debbie uh, said a moment ago, wisdom and folly. And these are interesting characteristics to introduce this late in the gospel, I think because we are rather late in the Gospel of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 25. The Gospel of Matthew has 28 chapters, and we have yet to arrive at the point where the Roman authorities are going to arrest and begin the process of uh, torturing and crucifying Jesus. And so in just the next couple of chapters, we're going to reach the very end of this story, the very climax of the story, where Jesus goes up against the powers of sin and death and prevails. And at this point in the story, he wants to introduce us to the ideas of wisdom and folly. Now, wisdom and folly, whenever I say those words, I'm sure that there are certain images that come into your mind, maybe examples or stories or something that comes to mind from, from your life or from the life of someone that you know and care about. Uh, whenever I say the word folly, there are a lot of examples that come to my mind, not about my life, right? Right? Can I get some affirmation? Maybe from my own life. Okay, a lot of examples from my own life. Uh, But you might think about wisdom, uh, examples of people who have have been uh, sage advisors to you, who have given you lots of good advice over the course of the year. So I hope that there are images and there are stories and there are things that come to your mind as you think about this. But when Jesus talks about wisdom and folly, he is tapping into a story that goes all the way back to the act of creation. Uh, In fact, in the ancient world, the idea of creation was was a battle between wisdom and folly. Will the world be ordered, or will it be chaotic? Will the world be a a wise example of the gods creating a world for the humans to live in? Or will it be this chaotic experience where there's danger around every corner? And so depending on which religion you followed in the ancient world, the creation stories would, would give you an example of either wisdom, or folly. And in the, the Jewish story, in the Christian story, wisdom plays a significant role. So this morning, Gordon read a couple of passages to us from the book of Proverbs. And when, normally when we think about the book of Proverbs, we think about uh, sayings, uh, simple, short sayings that help us understand how to live a wise life or how to do things correctly. Uh, we often think that these Proverbs uh, are, are easy, li- uh, easy wisdom for daily living, right? Uh, something that you can read and, and grasp in just a simple moment. But the book of Proverbs starts uh, very differently from that. The book of Proverbs starts with the first nine chapters. It's almost as if it's a letter written from a set of parents to a child, to a son. And these first opening chapters of the book of Proverbs, the parents want their son to choose wisdom over folly. And in fact, they tap into, again, another example of what the ancient people would do. Uh, Philosophers and people like that, they would take this example of wisdom and folly, and they would personify wisdom and folly. And so it wasn't just wisdom, it was lady wisdom. And it wasn't just folly, it was lady folly. And so these parents, they want to instruct their child, their son, in how to choose the way of wisdom. And so they present it as lady wisdom and lady folly, and they hope that through their instruction, through this uh, letter that they're writing to their son in the book of Proverbs, that their son will learn what it means to follow God and to live wisely. Now, parents, that's a bit of free advice for you this morning. I am not a parent, so I know I just made parenting sound a lot easier than it really is, Uh, and so uh, that's my advice to you this morning, and uh, if you want any more advice, I'd be more than willing to give it to you. Uh, In fact, if you want a babysitter, I'd be happy to help. You find someone. (laughs) That's not me, right? So wisdom and folly. Uh, They help us understand what it means to follow God, and and in fact, not only do we find it in the book of Proverbs, not only do we find it in the act of creation, the story of creation, but we also find it uh, where else but with the person of Solomon. Perhaps some of you are familiar with Solomon's story and can remember uh, King Solomon. Uh, Early in Solomon's kingship, he's a young man, and God comes to Solomon in a vision, in a dream, and asks Solomon, Solomon, what do you want as king? And of course, Solomon answers, uh, he says, I would like wisdom, because he knows that he's going to need all the help he can get as a young man leading the nation of Israel as their king. And so he asks for wisdom, and as a result of that question and that answer, God is willing to give him anything that he wants, because he chose well in that moment. He didn't ask for wealth or riches. Instead, he asked for wisdom to help lead the people. And in fact, just a couple of verses after that, uh, it says uh, this about Solomon and the people and how they viewed him. It says that their respect for the king grew because they saw that God's wisdom was in him so that he could execute justice. So it wasn't just wisdom, but it was God's wisdom. And so we see in the Old Testament story after story, and I could give you more if you'd like, uh, but we see over and over and again this idea of wisdom being brought forth And at this point in Jesus' ministry, in chapter 25 out of 28 in the Gospel of Matthew, right before the scene of the crucifixion, he wants to introduce us to wisdom and folly. It's almost as if in this parable, throughout all the parables, what he wants us to grasp as he nears the end is that to follow God is wise. and To do anything else is folly, especially if that something else is selfish for our own selves and our own beings. And this is an important backdrop for this parable, I think, that to follow God is wisdom, and to do anything else is to go the way of folly. So a couple of weeks ago, I heard a story about a young man who was preparing uh, for his senior year graduation of high school. He was getting ready to graduate, and so he was working hard, making sure that everything at the very end of his schooling career of high school was ready uh, and completed and that he would be willing and able to go to college. In fact, this was a really important moment for this particular man because uh, his parent, neither of his parents had attended college before. Uh, he was going to be the first person in his family to ever go to college, and so he had worked so hard to get to this point. It, this had not only been his senior year of working on this, but this had been his entire childhood working for this moment. And so he was ready, he was excited when this moment came, when he was ready to graduate from high school, and so he was working hard, making sure that his grades stayed up, making sure that he would have uh, eligibility to get into the college that he was, going to, he was planning to attend in the fall. But not only that, uh, because his parents hadn't attended college, in fact, his dad was a high school dropout, uh, his parents weren't gonna be able to help him financially uh, to pay for his schooling. And so not only had he worked diligently with his grades, but he had even taken a couple of jobs to help make sure that he would be able to help pay for his own education. And so he worked hard, he continued to work hard, he applied for scholarships, and he received a handful of scholarships to help him go, and so right when it looked, uh, right when everything was coming together, uh, his graduation was upon him. And so he's excited for uh, graduation, he's excited for what's to come in the fall when he's going to attend school, and so he goes to his graduation and sits next to someone else, and his seatmate at graduation leans over and says to him, did you know that I'm going to the same school as you in the fall? Which sounds like such a wonderful thing to happen he would have a friend there except that this young man noticed something else about his co-student his seatmate that his seatmate was not a particularly good student in fact this seatmate was the one who seemed to always be getting into trouble he was the one who would always turn in assignments late and and sometimes not even turn them in at all and so he began to wonder how is it that i have worked so hard to be able to do this, to be able to go to this school. And I'm the first person in my family to ever go to college. And here's this person sitting next to me who's not done any of the work and who seems to not care all that much. And he's going to be going to the same place. Throughout the course of the graduation, it became clear that his seatmate was going to that school because his father worked in the office of admissions at that university. And I can see it on your faces as I tell you this story. You know which student was wise and which student followed the path of folly. And yet their reward was the same in the end. And in fact, if you've been paying attention to the news, this story sounds very similar to other stories that have been coming out in the past couple of months about higher education in our country. And I tell you this story not to make a point about higher education, but to tell you that this story that Jesus tells is not over and done with. This story is still ongoing because the path of wisdom and the path of folly are still before us, and we still have an opportunity to choose one or the other. Now, in the parable, Jesus continues and he tells this story in a certain way, and it's very interesting the way that he tells the story. He finishes the story by telling us exactly what the point is. The point is to be ready, to be prepared. I think of uh, the Boy Scouts motto, right? Always be prepared. I think of the Lion King. The, The new Lion King movie just came out. Has anyone seen it? I have not. A handful, everyone's ashamed to say that they've seen the new Lion King. The old one was too good. But I think of the song that Scar sings, right? Be prepared. I'm not a singer, it's fine. (laughs) Jesus tells us at the end of the parable, the point is to be ready. Because we don't know the day, we don't know the time, we don't know the hour. The point is to always be ready. But he starts the parable by talking about wisdom and folly and helping us make sure that we choose the right one. So he introduces us to a handful of characters along the way, and really we can split them into two groups very easily. We have the five bridesmaids who are prepared, and we have the five bridesmaids who are not. And he begins the story by telling us that one of these groups is wise and one is foolish. And what's interesting about this parable to me is that he tells us no other distinctions between these bridesmaids. They all have been called. They all have been chosen by the bridegroom. They've all been commissioned to be ready at a moment's notice for the wedding ceremony to take place. They're all the same. They have the same title, bridesmaid. They have the same responsibility to be prepared for the the bridegroom. They are the same group of people, and yet half of the group is wise and half is foolish. And you can see easily as the story unfolds why it is that one group is wise and why it is that one group is foolish. Jesus wants us to see that there is no difference between these groups of people except for whether or not they are prepared. They've been chosen by the same bridegroom. They've been invited to the same wedding. And five of them are ready and five are not. So wisdom, it seems in this story, means that we need to be prepared. Wisdom, the path of following God, means that we need to be ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. It seems fairly easy, and yet half the group chose not to do it. Half the group waited until that final moment. It was the wee hours of the morning when there's no markets open and yet they are sent out searching for oil for the lamps because they've been foolish. They've not been prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom. See, at this moment we learn in the story the connection between this parable and the other parables because the other parables have taught us that wisdom means that we need to bear fruit. That's how the parables began in Matthew's gospel, right? That we need to bear fruit. Wisdom tells us in the parables that that even the smallest thing that we do, the smallest action that we take, could have a a tremendous impact, that we have no clue what's coming. The parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Wisdom in the parables means that we are doing the will of God, that we're not hypocrites, as John Mark preached about a couple of weeks, but that we are ready and willing to accept the invitation at a moment's notice. This parable intersects with the other parables in teaching us that even though wisdom and folly haven't been spoken about in any of the other parables, they have been present. all of them. That to follow God is to live wisely, to be prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom. One uh, commentator says it this way, the right confession without the corresponding life is ultimately disastrous. The right confession, saying the right things, being here in this place at this time is ultimately disastrous without the corresponding actions, the corresponding life. That in order for us to be prepared Not only do we need to say the right things, but we need to do the right things as well. To not stay focused on Christ is to allow ourselves to live in folly rather than wisdom. Because wisdom means that we're ready and willing to follow God at a moment's notice, even in the middle of the night when the bridegroom arrives and the call comes out. He's here. The bridegroom is here. Jesus tells this parable as he nears the end of his life. And I think that's significant, too. Because Jesus is nearing the end of his life. He's nearing the end of his ministry right before the Romans are going to uh, capture him. They're going to imprison him. They're going to torture him, and then they're going to execute him. And one of the last things that he instructs his followers, the crowds, the religious leaders and teachers, is to be ready at a moment's notice. Just as he is preparing for that final moment of his life, he wants us to be prepared at any moment for the coming of the bridegroom. the coming of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is here at this moment preparing himself, and he's trying to help prepare us. The kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus has announced it. He has brought it in. He has shown us what it means to live in it, and he wants us to live in wisdom, which means to always be ready, always be prepared. And so today, what I'd like for us to do, we've had a a beautiful service so far where we've reflected, where we've paused, where we've stopped. I want us to continue to do that today. Here in a moment, I'm going to give you a minute uh, just to reflect, just to be silent, just to focus. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to focus on the person of Jesus. Because Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the one who's come announcing a new kingdom. And so I'd like for you to focus your mind in this minute on Christ. Perhaps you want to think about the song that we sang during the communion meditation. Reflect on those words. Reflect on on the melody of that song. Perhaps uh, there's another word or phrase that you want to spend some time focusing on, like Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus loves me. Jesus is good, holy, or beautiful. Perhaps there's an image or a painting that comes to mind a painting of Christ, a painting of what it means to follow Christ, or perhaps you want to sketch something yourself in the notes section of the bulletin. Whatever it is, maybe a passage of scripture, I'm going to ask you for the next minute to dwell upon Jesus, to keep your mind focused on Christ, for this is wisdom. Let's take that minute now. That there's an obstacle in front of you. There's going to be plenty of reasons to become busy and distracted. There might even be opportunities for good things ahead of you this week. It's time with family members, time to accomplish something at work. There's going to be plenty of things that come up this week, obstacles are or opportunities. And what I would pray for each of us is that as those obstacles and, come, and opportunities come before us, that we would remember that wisdom is to follow in the paths of Christ. Wisdom is to follow Jesus. Wisdom is to focus upon Christ. And so as you exit the room here in just a few minutes, there's going to be people driving on the roads, there's going to be billboards and text messages and phone calls, Uh, There are going to be emails to answer and respond to. There's going to be all kinds of events. There's going to be jobs, even family. And in the midst of all of that, my prayer is that we would spend time living wisely, remembering that wisdom is to follow God and is to live the life that Christ has invited us to. Here, as we close in in song in just a minute, I want to read a passage of Scripture over you, again, just to help us center and focus, because I want this to be a moment that you can return to later this week, Uh, this hour of time that we've spent together in worship and in song and communion. I want this to be a time that you can return to and remember that in all the distractions and everything that's going on, that wisdom is to follow Christ. So listen to these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And as I conclude this reading, I'm going to ask our elders and their wives to gather around the sides of the rooms, and they'll be ready to receive you in prayer. I'll be down front. I'll be ready to receive you for baptism if you'd like to join in this kingdom. But listen to these words from John chapter 1. The Word was first, the Word present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and life was light to live by. The lifelight blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. The lifelight was the real thing. Every person entering life he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't notice him. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. For the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, and we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out true from start to finish. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all of this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. Church, may we live in wisdom. May we live following Christ. Let's stand together and worship.